0: Hey, dog people of the internet, welcome to Cog Dog Radio, a podcast all about dog sports, behavior, and training. I'm your host, Sarah Stremming of The Cognitive Canine, and I can't wait to share my behavior cases, training revelations, and general geekery with you. Let's get started.
1: Hello, listeners. I am back from my international trip. And of course, I needed to call my dear friend Sarah Strumming to talk about all the things of my trip. And as we were talking, as we do, we were like, oh my gosh, this is a podcast episode. <laughs> so, welcome, Sarah, back yes, to the show. We were, we were going, going to, to record
0: here. something else and we were having this conversation. And we were like, wait, 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 postpone that other thing. We have to talk about this thing. It's yes, coming. And For the other thing is so well. good. I'm yeah. really
1: excited. Yeah. We're going to record that one. Um, Just a little teaser. It is how to set up. It's going to be all the considerations about when you are recruiting helper people or helper dogs for your dog that is leash reactive. So it's an awesome episode. We're really excited. However, we felt this was really, really resonant because I just came back from Peru and I was able to I was there for a variety of reasons. So I was there by myself because I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone. I was saying that I felt like I had a lot of COVID dust on my back and I'm the type of woman that is always seeking and learning and trying to expand myself both emotionally, spiritually. And I was feeling really scared, like feeling really like, I got to stay in my house and and be safe. And I finally, this year has been really hard with the loss of my dog. Like, and I was like, gosh, I really need to just do something to like give myself the biggest shake off possible to sort of recalibrate and feel a little bit nervous and push myself out of my comfort zone. So I left and went to Peru for ten days and. I was able to push myself out of my comfort zone in a variety of different ways. And I won't go into all the details of what I did there. But one of the biggest lessons that I learned for myself, but also observed in the dogs there was to just this beautiful word of allow, like just allow whatever it is, whatever behavior, whatever emotion, whatever experience for it to come up and for you to to be with it. So I experienced that in a variety of different ways, visiting Machu Picchu, going to Sacred Valley, but I really found it fascinating to see the street dogs of Peru and watch them be able to do what they want to do. Like just so much organic expression. They were quote unquote allowed to, to be dogs And it was fascinating because I was listening to um, Mike Shikashio's episode with Sindor Pagal about street dogs in India. And that was so cool to be listening to her. Shout out to her. That episode is amazing. Her research is amazing. It was so cool to be listening to her and then experiencing street dogs of Peru. Very different. A lot of, just as a side note, a lot of the street dogs in Peru a lot of them do live in the house at night. So a lot of them I thought were in really great shape, really great shape. Like people that don't even know dogs that I met were like, wow, these dogs like look, look well. Um, they're not thin they're, they are They don't have like, they look really healthy,
0: actually really we're, healthy. They're going to get into their behavioral health, but like they look so medically look very healthy like they're all in good condition their hair coat looks great and a lot of them they're not all Mm -hmm. short-coated dogs but there's no like matting like they look beautiful their eyes are clear and then just this beautiful Mm -hmm. look of balance in their faces too they look yeah I want to be one of those dogs
1: (laughs) totally 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 and so I when I stayed in this little town, Pisac, in the Sacred Valley, um, I was fortunate enough that at my retreat center—it's not even a center; it's like a, it's like a few Airbnbs or whatever—there were three female dogs that stayed where I was, and then, then there were three fem- female dogs in the in the house below, and they were they were they actually lived in the house, right? They're not street dogs, but there were so many other dogs around this space, and the barking that went on at night like, wow. like And nobody, like I would, I would bring it up to people. I'd be like, wow, there's so much barking happening at night. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't hear it. Like they, it's, it's just, I just said like that would the other never day, fly like, here. You know,
0: dogs bark. This is a noise they make. And it sounds like you don't have a barking problem. It sounds like you have a dog. Yeah.
1: Yes. And it was funny because my nervous system was like, oh my gosh, enough with the barking. Like, what are they barking at? And I also made up a story like, okay, some some of those barks sound stressed. So like, and you're really persistent about the barking. So, and it got me thinking like, what do we, how much behavior do we allow? And how much behavior do, like, when do we step in and assist? and it reminds me a lot of you know i was steeped in pema trojan when things fall apart that book on this trip amazing read i barely read please read it if you haven't and it it was like that like there is always pleasure there is always pain there is always good there is always bad we have to allow for both right and so what is that balance of not only allowing for our own emotion, our own behavior to come up, but how can we gift that allowance to our dogs, right? Like, like I was saying, these dogs are just like out and about being who they are. They have full permission to drop in and be a dog. They can bark throughout the, throughout the night. If they want, they can defend their territory. They can like, there was one point, I think this is so funny. And I I need to post this video on Instagram because I hadn't seen a lot of dogs together. Like I had just seen single dogs or maybe two dogs. And then I finally saw five dogs together. And I was like, got my camera on, videoing, <laughs> I'm running after that. Like I was like, oh, I wanted, I want to see like an actual group of dogs. And Sarah, so much beautiful communication. And then it escalated. And I think I, I like had told you so this that cool. so I almost stepped in. I, I almost stepped in and was like, hey, 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 like trying to interrupt the escalation as if like, and, and thank goodness, I stopped myself. I was like, Marissa, sweetie, they don't need you. They live here. They're communicating, allow the discomfort of you witnessing them having an argument, allow this communication to happen, allow them to be dogs. Like they don't need you. And so it was so I'm grappling with this idea of allowing, right? Not allowing to compromise welfare, right? So wh- where is that fine line and you and I can talk about what that may look like. Yeah, so I brought this topic to Sarah and you talked a lot about Rhea, right? And so I'd love for you to share with our listeners like how you've allowed her to be yeah, who she is, and an Icelandic sheepdog. And
0: just the I think the yeah. broader concept of these dogs that you saw in Peru. We're so kind of behaviorally balanced. They're just like laying next- Four steps Exactly, to because wellness. they're, what, what is the four steps? The four steps is fully allowing for dogness Saying This is a dog and I allow my dog to express mm-hmm. dogness, uh, which is another kind of way to define enrichment, right? It's just, it's expression of dogness is what enrichment is um, for dogs. And... So for me, yes, like allowing the full range of dogness is so important and healthy for them. And then here's what we do is we put them on a leash. We Mm -hmm. put them in a house without access to outside. Or if they do have access to outside, it's a small space that is confined that has triggers and other stuff going on outside that fence. We put them in really contrived scenarios with their own kind. And usually the only time they see their own kind are these really contrived scenarios like a dog park, a dog daycare, puppy kindergarten, things like that. And Mm -hmm. we don't allow for the full expression of dogness because here's what dogs do. They bark, they dig, they chew, they pee on vertical surfaces, they... (laughs) you know, they scavenge. Think of like so many, I'm putting this in quotations, behavior problems that are just expression of dogness. Counter surfing. Mm -hmm. When I get asked, how do I make the dog stop getting stuff off the counter? I don't know about you, Marissa, but I say, well, talk to me about your floor plan because we need need a barrier, right? Yeah. Yeah, Because It's, it's Mm -hmm. as bad as saying, how do I make the dog stop? You know, how do I make his toenails stop growing? Like I hate cutting them, right? Like (laughs) you're not going to, that's part of who the dog is in his body. And so having Mm Rhea, I'm really, I feel really fortunate that she came into my life when she did for a lot of reasons, but like you as a trainer, like where you were basically, I feel lucky that I was ready for her. As a trainer mm-hmm. because I see a lot of folks with this breed because now I have like a whole new community of people who have this breed and I see a lot of folks struggling with them especially when they're younger and I feel really fortunate that like she and Iggy for instance were not swapped in my life because I wouldn't mm-hmm. have had this kind of you know, Iggy for reference is almost 14 years old. And so trainer, the trainer I was 14 years ago was really into controlling access to resources, really into um, really just manipulating everything about them. And that's something that I learned from the sport world. It's something that's Mm -hmm. still really prevalent in the sport world as well as everywhere else. And I just feel really lucky that a that that I was able to allow the full range of what it means to be an Icelandic sheepdog and still shape a really nice dog to be my companion and my friend. But a I feel lucky one because I didn't I haven't really I haven't struggled with this dog at all. She's been I mean we've talked about what a breath of fresh air like she is, honestly compared to my three border collies that came before her a piece of cake. Like Mm -hmm. the best cake, (laughs) the easiest cake that you could eat. (laughs) But also I feel fortunate because what a shame it would have been to try to make her something else. Because she's so fun and interesting and cool just being what she is and who she is. So examples of who she is and what she is that people struggle might struggle with that I have allowed for and been able to then nurture into maybe something that she and I can be together that's that's easy for me is that this breed is really known for being vocal. They bark a lot. And it's the number one question that people are asking over in, there's like a Facebook group called, So You Want an Icelandic Sheepdog. And like people who are seeking the breed go and ask questions over there. And the number one question is, I've heard they bark a lot, can you mm-hmm. train them not to? It's always, but can you teach them not to? and you know everybody's like of course you can teach them that too and it's really interesting to me because I'm like no you good luck no you can't also don't instead like open your heart to the fact that this breed has a lot to say and be okay with it so I was telling Marissa before we got on the call I was dropping my car off to have some work done and so and I had Rhea so I Got her out of the car in the big enclosed garage at the dealership, and Raya just sings out this like Icelandic greeting to everyone working in the garage, <laughs> <laughs> and it was so loud because it's an enclosed garage. <laughs> and I just I'm the, how what a shame if I had like popped her collar and told her to shut up, right? Instead, I'm just yeah. like. Well, yeah, good morning, Raya. And like it's it's a mindset shift of saying this is okay that you use your voice to communicate. And when you're using your voice to communicate that you need something, honestly, I'm gonna try to do it for I'm gonna try to meet your needs. If you yeah. use your voice to alert to something, I am really interested in acknowledging what you're alerting me to doing something about it if necessary. Mm -hmm. And then so much of her vocalization is just joy. So much of her vocalization is just, Mm. I'm so thrilled right now that I'm running in the woods with my brothers, right? Like she just, that's how she expresses so much of her happiness that like, who would I be to make her stop? And so, yeah, if it bothers you, maybe this isn't the kind of dog for you, but also I don't know anybody who's not bothered by barking. Like we don't like barking. We humans. Yeah. This is a point of disagreement we have with dogs. Like we didn't talk about this before we all got together that like they like to bark and that we really have a distaste for barking, but how cool that mm-hmm. these people in Peru are like, oh, we don't hear that. We don't, we don't hear them barking all night. Cause they're used to it and they yeah. sleep through it. Whereas we like you are like, oh, that one sounds a little distressed. I need to help. Oh, that one that one is going on a little bit too long. Maybe, maybe I need to intervene. Right. Like this is cultural and this is a mindset shift. And I am Mm -hmm. so I'm just, you know, barking in particular is a language and it happens for so many different reasons that I think we are wisest to think about what the function is. And sometimes the function is literally just that the dog has a feeling and it comes out as a bark. And if that's the function, you can squash their feelings, but I don't think you should.
1: Yeah, barking is like a metaphor for, and actually Pema talks about it in her book. Barking is like a metaphor for fill in the blank, annoying behavior slash emotion that comes up. Right, whether it's we're witnessing that, or we're or, or we're having it in, in ourselves, right? Like my brain or my, oh my mind God. barks at me. You know often. when mine you No,
0: know when mine my, does.
1: My emotionally Really annoying. Like three a.m. thing wakes me up at three a.m.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I have like a spiral, and it's hard for me to access it at that time. But the when you're having a feeling, the only way, as we learned from our friend, our friend Emily Nagoski. <laughs> you know, our yeah. girl, our girl, Emily, um, our, our, our bestie is you got to go through it. It's a tunnel. You got to go all the way through. Right. And what I want to do is yeah. like, stop it. Shut it up. Stop. Yeah. put a, put a bark collar yeah. on suppress, that suppress, ceiling. Suppress.
1: suppress That's suppress. what I want to do. Yeah.
0: yeah. When in reality, it's got to be like, Hey, anxiety, I see you're here. Um, okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to sit in that feeling. What might you need? see what you need from me and go through Mm -hmm. to the other side of it and
1: oh man this is
0: so hard for us
1: yeah it is really hard and i do want to you know i was thinking about this before we were recording i do want to say that like some of these things whether it's observing dog behavior whether it's observing emotions within ourselves or emotions or behavior of others some of those things do trigger a significant traumatic response right so like the idea of like sitting and taking a look at it and getting curious and hanging out with it is could be really scary for other people so i know well, sarah and i were sure. really like sensitive if to that. i'm actually I having a PTSD really flashback too. you think i'm sitting with it marissa oh well, i'm not right yeah, like no so we yeah. want to be really clear about you know that we understand that there are, is a continuum of responses to your environment, whether that's your internal environment or your external environment. Um, It's
0: more like the nagging.
1: Yeah. The feelings that are more like barking that are not
0: a problem, but they're irritating that Mm -hmm. we've kind of learned aren't okay to feel. It's kind of that stuff. And then, and so what I think is interesting is that like I'm in the business, you're in the business of behavior change. And the longer mm-hmm. I'm in this work with dogs, the more I want to show people how to give their dog full allowance of dogness and what that will do for for the dog's behavior. because mm-hmm. here's what we do to them. I said it. We put them on a short leash. We don't let them like their nature, is to be off leash moving their body freely. We don't do that. We put them on a short leash, we put them in a backyard. Like they're lucky if they get a backyard, right? In fact, they're lucky if they get leash walked, right? Like so many dogs, right? So their nature is to scavenge for a variety of foods and we feed them a cereal in a bowl twice a day. (laughs) Their nature is to use their full vocal range. And some of them use it more than others, depending on their origin, depending on their history, their learning history and their genetics, right? And we spray them in the face with water. We put bark collars on them. We, you know, what also is not benign, throwing food at them to make them stop. Like we intervene when they're vocalizing. And they, they just, they're just designed to be something other than what we make them be and a lot of their maladaptive behaviors are because of that so if we flip it to like a person example mm-hmm. a human example i feel like humans nature and of course i'm gonna allow for like i'm gonna allow for humans being really diverse here and humans being able to make homes in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways but our nature really is to be in nature a whole lot more than we are um our nature Mm -hmm. is to have community and connection to other people and we are continually more and more isolated as a society right because we have this fake community that comes through a screen and we feel like that replaces real community and it doesn't and our nature is to sleep as long as our bodies want to let us sleep and we have a noise that wakes us up instead that's in one of those screens right <laughs> and we our nature is also to eat a variety of fresh food that come from the earth and we're in way too big a rush for that okay so it's we drink the protein shake instead right so it's we go against our nature a lot too and mm-hmm here's what happens. And we know this like this is examined, this is researched. The fact of the matter is that when you take a human and you put them in a city environment, so you reduce the nature in their life. And you, you know, it just it's a recipe, right? I am a middle aged woman with two kids and a partner and I sleep average six hours a night, because I got to get up and hit the gym before I get the kids out to school. And then I go to my job all day. And then I come home and throw some, you know, food together as best as I can. But a lot of that's going to be from a box, because it's cheap and easy. And, you know, then I numb with, a couple glasses of wine and I go to bed, do it over right numb with Netflix, Netflix I numb with whatever. And then I yeah. go to bed and I do it again. And I, and I have questions about why I really need antidepressants and benzos in my life. Also no shade to meds. Cause like better yeah. living through chemistry. I'm all for it. All for it. Yeah. yeah. And then it comes back to dogs. Cause I'm certainly not an expert in human mental health. I'm, I'm a student <laughs> of human <laughs> health, right? Like, but yeah, that we do the same stuff to dogs. And now we're like, why is it, why are these dogs an anxious mess? Well, because you've totally ripped them out of their natural environment is why. And guess what? Same to you. And how many, do you talk to dog trainers who don't agree with the following statement? The dogs keep getting worse. I've been doing this for X number of years. Why are the dogs getting worse? Yeah. Because the people are also getting worse because yeah. we go further and further mm-hmm. from our nature every day. And when we do, so do they, because they are attached to us.
1: Yeah. And like further and further from our nature, I I think part of what part an expression of that that I resonate with deeply that I read about and reflected about on this trip was like we as a human, like as a as especially Americans, we're desperately doing one of two things at all times. We're either trying to grip and hold on to positivity. Like I want that. I get that. I keep that. I, you know, I, I get the bigger house. I get the better job. I I get the, the, the dog that's quiet, right. The dog that's listening to me. I'm like striving for the better and the getting, or I am trying to avoid the negativity, Mm -hmm. the discomfort, the, you know, the death that happens every day the hardship right so i'm like running from discomfort and i'm and i'm grasping or you know like desperately grasping for things that will fill me up and make me happy and that that behavior pattern that i am so intimately aware mm-hmm. and involved in for 40 years that is the suffering right like it's it's this it's the the sheer suffering that like and, and it, it reminds me so much of, of dog training, right? It's, it's like the person that you're saying in, in the Facebook group, that's like, okay, I really want an Icelandic sh- sheepdog running and grasping towards like something that I want. That's going to fill me up, but yeah. I want to avoid barking. Uh, hey, yeah. I don't, this whole thing over here with barking, it's uncomfortable for me. I want to avoid it. And it's like, wow. I want you to have
0: what you want. Understand that like, Allowing is how you get there, allowing, and then just actually sitting, like doing the work that means accepting the uncomfortable truths and the uncomfortable things and kind of adjusting accordingly. So like something's coming up for me that was just, I was just conversing with a student, got a young dog, like a nine or 10 month old dog that student has worked really, really hard to try to produce an off-leash reliable dog. Dog's 10 months old. Dog is not Mm -hmm. off-leash reliable and kind of was prior to like six months, which is kind of common and shared a video of the dog just running off into the woods. Client gets kind of panicky in her voice. This is like, ha, I don't know what to do. I can't get the, like, I'm realizing that I have no control over this situation I've tried to call the dog. She's not coming. Right. And I, here comes me with the truth bomb. Like I'm the biggest proponent of off leash exercise on this planet. I'm pretty sure. And I said, looks like your dog can't be off leash in that environment. Like I'm not interested in you losing her and I'm not interested in her chasing and harassing wildlife. And I'm not like for your future goals as well as just for the wildlife deserves peace. Right. So Yeah. The student was like, oh, like, I hate this. Like, I, how long is this going to take? Like, this is so much work. And what are relationships?
1: It's so much work. What are relationships? Sit with that for a second. Right. So much much work work shaping the behavior we want to see. We want to, when it's a dog and it's like, so much work. Here's
0: the goal. Here's the happiness I'm chasing. Me and this dog walking down a trail, there's Mm -hmm. no leash. I know I can call her if I need to. I know she's not just going to dart off and go hunting and leave me. That's the happiness that I'm chasing. But what I'm avoiding is that in the meantime, I got to rent sniff spots that are fully fenced so that this dog can get fulfilled. I have to really work on my working relationship and my engagement with this dog i have to utilize a long line and maybe a no-pull situation because the dog is really pulling on me on the long line it's really uncomfortable and you know the mm-hmm. discomfort that if you avoid it you won't get to the happiness like you want that happy picture you gotta face these uncomfortable truths to get to that happy picture and recognize that it's a pendulum swinging like my yeah dog's- and then You've gone on a hike with me with my dogs. Like totally. my dogs are very reliable off-leash. But also you saw me constantly making judgment calls about when to reinforce them, when to cue them, when to let them go. It is a, you know, it's mental gymnastics. Totally. It's it's amazing. And then you stayed present with me. That I'm actually, like, actually, that's interesting to me too. And I think it's just that I am so fluent in off-leash management. And I need to give my clients more grace on the fact that they're not. Um, And they Mm -hmm. don't recognize, I forget. Like I don't necessarily
1: realize everything I'm doing all the time. Ooh, off-leash management is a podcast episode, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. FYI, like your mental gymnastics. And and then here's the thing is I I made this mistake
0: of telling everybody that I'm not training them on walks because what I don't want them to do is make the dog heel and sit and do downstays. But of Mm -hmm. course I'm training Mm them. The whole time I'm training them. It's just that I'm not telling them what to do. I am training them, but I'm not telling them what to do.
1: And yeah, you aren't telling them what to do.
0: So it's, and there are so many people for whom just putting those dogs on leashes is going to be what allows them to go on the hike they want to go on because they don't want to do the mental gymnastics that I'm doing. For me, holding Mm -hmm. leashes is really Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. It's hard for my body to hike as it is. And then if I'm holding something that pulls me off balance on occasion, it's really hard. And I literally think that's it, Marissa. I think it's the discomfort in my body that has pushed me to be so good at off-leash reliability. And I, that's something that I'm like, you know, coming to term with, coming to terms with a lot of those truths right now. And so what's interesting is that we are all always running to that happiness and avoiding the discomfort. Whereas there's always both. And the discomfort of this, like me walking down the trail with my three dogs off leash is the joy is the picture is what everybody wants. The discomfort is the mental gymnastics I'm doing to make sure that they're safe that whole time.
1: Yeah. I think it's important that you're bringing up both because I was going to put a pin in what you said earlier that like, And I'm saying this out loud for all of our um, pet parents, right? Like you can have a goal, but if you get really grippy on that goal, that that goal is then going to alleviate you from fill in the blank emotion, right? It's going to alleviate you from discomfort. It's going to alleviate you from yelling at the dog. It's going to alleviate you from getting, from blaming yourself. Like you're kidding yourself. Nothing. You cannot have pleasure without pain. You cannot have good without bad. And so even though like you just gave a great example, there is still challenge within joy that you're experiencing, right? Like you worked really hard to get to this joyful place where you can have your dogs off leash. And I've seen it. It's really, really seamless and beautiful. And yet like there is still work and tenacity and um judgment and mm. awareness that goes into that. So it's, you know, it's like, it's like we hear all the time from, I mean, I, I hear this all the time from pet parents where it's like, mm. well, I just don't want to have to worry about it. And it's almost like, oh wow, like, like, where's this? And like, <laughs> like where's the set it and forget it. Like where's but the button no, push and then this there never is, happens again. Yeah. Totally. And and for someone like me who is a planner type A, I have a lot of empathy for those people because I'm like, oh yeah, I've been living my whole life like that. Like I am really skillfully and very and I can craft like my environment so I don't have to feel anything. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's not true. It's not true. Right. So it's there, it's this, you know, circling back to this initial topic of allowing. It's like reminds me of of a part of, of the podcast episode I did with Christy Caton about like all of it belongs. It's sort of like we've gotta allow for both all the good things that we want in our lives and allow for all the hardship and I have to say this has been the hardest year of my life I will say especially because I lost Sully and and I'm very fortunate that that was the first real significant very close to me death in my life like I'm really fortunate at my age that like that happened to me this year right um And this year was filled with a lot of other different types of hardship. And I have to say that this has been the best year of my life because I, I'm cracking open to new ways of being and thinking because of the hardship. So it's like, it, it, there is opportunity within your dog engaging in a behavior and you, you feeling an an emotion that you don't want to feel like, wow, like maybe get curious with that, right? Like there's such, there's such a growth opportunity for all of us. To allow for more discomfort in our lives so that it's not, so we're not trying to desperately run from it because it's just, we're literally never going to outrun it. You're
0: never going to outrun it.
1: And has anybody ever asked you, like, if you've presented
0: kind of a goal to a coach, have you ever had a coach then say, okay, so picture it, you've got it, you've got that goal now, Mm -hmm.
1: right? Yeah. The totally. worst. I, my coach I hate time it because I right? such a three.
0: We're both yeah. We're both y'all well, you both and I in you Indiana and I are free. three. It's it's on the ridiculous. Instagram. So bad. It's a curse um, <laughs> So the worst. I still can't. There's one goal that I share with my agility coach that like she was like, okay, okay so picture it like it's happened. Like what what do you have then in that moment don't now? Yeah. And what then what have. do you do next? Mm-hmm. And I literally couldn't answer her. Like I was like, I, like how dare you ask me that? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and almost I almost would like it would be so interesting if you said, okay, so yeah. so imagine that goal. What do you have now that you have, that you've achieved that goal? Where do you have that currently? Like already? that's the question. Like mm-hmm. where is it already? Because. I bet it's somewhere. It might not be in the in the place that you want it to be or it might not look the way you want it to be, but I I bet it's somewhere. I th- that would be an interesting question. It is
0: hard. And that's the that question. To my, and so then list. when people say, you know, I just want this dog to walk with me off leash easily, it's the question then is, okay, what do you have when you have that? And mm-hmm. then wow, the other question, where else, where do you have that already? with your dog
1: yeah just because it's like it's not mm-hmm. to negate you the goal uh-huh. right and like we can work towards that right it's not that there isn't um i i want listeners to really be very clear that like this oh, no, is not I'm about like not having big goals, goals especially with okay, sarah like, goals, goals sarah yeah, and i uh-huh. being threes on the enneagram like we're goal women but um it it's more about like being really curious about the goal and and um, not being so attached to it and allowing for the process around the goal and allowing for the curiosity to be like, you know, is truly do I want that? Like, is that truly what what I want? Do I need that? Do can I allow my dog to engage in this particular yeah. behavior or not? Can I allow myself to feel a yeah. level of discomfort? And right,
0: just just allowing you know, for all of it. It comes back to I think people are like, okay, cool, but like I can't let the dog do fill in the blank. Can't let my yeah, dog bite, like my bite kid. the kid. I can't let my dog, yeah, bark and lunge at everything on leash. I can't, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So mm-hmm. it still circles back though to, it still circles back to then how where are we gonna allow more expression of dogness for them? Because mm-hmm. it can't just be about not allowing. It can't just be about stopping. It has to be about where can we allow for better expression of dogness. I'm all about. Because one of the things that I do in leisure activity that I don't think is done commonly in R plus circles is I do go through a process with the owner and the dog where I would like the dog to be able to be asked to come down from a reaction. I would like the handler and the dog to have the skill of the handler saying to the dog, hey, make a different choice right now. The dog then choosing that different choice and my god there's so much that goes into that right like because when i meet them Mm -hmm. they don't have they're not making any choices when they meet them they're just having a response it feels very reflexive and isn't a lot under their control so putting it under their control is the first Mm -hmm. thing we got to do their control not yours Mm -hmm. and then asking them to access that control is a part of my work that is honestly the hard part because it requires all this other allowing of dogness to be present because you don't get to ask them to do stuff like that for you if you don't, for the most part, allow them to fully express themselves and be who they are. And again, it's that balance of both and, you know, that I'm gonna let this dog really get in nature and be a dog as much as possible I feed this dog's body as best mm-hmm. as I can. And I'm going to have the dog really experience wellness on an extreme level so that in the moment when I'm walking him down the street and he gets pissed about the happy doodle puppy across the street, that I can say to him, <laughs> Hey, we're not going to be pissed about that. We're going to walk past it. And that he can say, okay, you're right. That's a better idea. And then I can reward that. Mm -hmm. I think that I see reactivity programs that are all that, that are all, hey, you need to make a different choice. And it's usually or else. There's usually an or else attached to that with with the type of training I'm talking about. Or I see a lot of training that's very much like, I'm just going to protect you from your feelings for the rest of your life. And for me, I don't think either of those are real life. So we always, we always land on reactivity because I think people really, I think it's a huge struggle. And did you see any dogs in Peru that you would label reactive? And isn't that interesting? No.
1: Yeah, well, none of them were on were on a leash and too, so right? For, so it, it begs like... the
0: question, does reactivity exist without
1: confinement? Does yeah.
0: reactivity exist like... without leashes and fences?
1: well and i'm when, yeah we always go back to re- reactivity right because i'm i'm also thinking about like what happens to me mm-hmm. like you watched a video of me with i was training a dog and he heard other dogs and mm-hmm. i had a reaction to it instead of just like allowing him to hear the other i was so worried about like trying to prevent him from, from responding feelings. to that other dog Protecting him from his feelings, I was so worried about that. And you were like, "Girl, he didn't fucking care." Oh, that is what I said. I'm sure of it. You were like, "Girl, yeah." You were yeah. like, "He didn't fucking care." Like, okay, you cared, right? And so there's this. um, When I think about allowing, I I, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that, like, yeah, we're not saying like just do steps and allow your dog to, you know, react or like walk down the street and allow your dog to become stressed. Or like, uh, last night we had our, uh, neighbor's dog over Nelson and, oh my gosh, talk about deprived welfare. But, um, anytime Scott moved around the house, charging, barking, and he has a relationship with Scott, but like when he gets settled, it's like way too much for him. And I was like, okay, we need to, I need to remove him from, like, I'm not going to sit here and allow this to happen. Not only is it right, like, like not okay for Scott to have a 20 pound not, charging he's him. He's expressing discomfort. It's not, it's not about, okay, I'm going to allow you to just keep expressing your discomfort because you're uncomfortable. No, it's, I'm going to help you. So. I'm going to help you. Like, okay, let's see. And you know, it was really funny. His, I was watching his eight-year-old, his 10-year-old, um, mom. Right. And she was like, well, let's just see if he can do it. I was like, oh, this is so funny. She just wants to allow him to like, see if he can settle. Right. Like she has more capacity Mm -hmm. for this behavior than I do. And he couldn't. And I was like, we're leaving. We're going to take this whole party over to your house. Again, I was watching her. And so like this environment is not right. So we're not saying don't step in and help and assist, because to me, that is like, if you're not doing that for your dog, then that becomes a welfare concern. But what well, it
0: is, is that right. here's what we want to do though. We want to put them on a leash and get our treat pouch and get our clicker and change it. And that is different from saying, I'm going to support you, which means I'm going to change something in this environment to help you express your dogness mm-hmm. in a in a different way.
1: Yeah. Like, we're, like I'm going to take you out of this situation to support you, right? Because clearly- you were allowed to make choices, you made them and you're spiraling, right? Like it, it would be like, you have a friend and they're having a hard time and you're just like, go ahead, just fill the, sp- fill the space with all these really toxic thoughts. And I'm just going to sort of watch you. It's like, no, I'm going to say like, okay, Hey, what do you need right now? How can I help you? Let's take a deep breath. Right? Like I'm going to assist in a way to help, help you get under threshold, right? This dog was totally over threshold. So we're not saying to just like abandon ship, but, but it is really it. Like, I I feel like ways in which we can allow for reactivity, for example, would be like, Oh, okay. I underestimated that stimulus. I thought it was far enough away. Oh, and it wasn't okay. I allowed for my dog to bark we created some space. We both take a breath, right? Like to me, instead of like spiraling and being like, I suck as a trainer, or I can't believe my dog did that. Or I thought we were past this or whatever. It's just like, okay, there's the thing. There's a mistake. If we even want to call it a mistake. I don't even know if I want to label it that. There's a thing that happened. I allowed it to happen. What's my next step? I, like, I promise you, you're going to make better decisions for you and your dog. If you come from that place where you allow that you will, the yeah. dog will react. It's about like, the dog will have a response. It's about allowing for the full life.
0: range of dog behavior. The full Yes. Full range of emotions and behavior full range and of what I see so often yeah. in, it's not just in the dog owners that we work with it's in our colleagues it's in the it's in the texts i mean when i read some training protocols sometimes i'm like whoa what stepford do you live in this isn't real i mean i don't know if that happens to you but like Mm -hmm. when sometimes you'll hear a presentation and you're going okay cool i don't see how this is reality right? With my clients and my dogs in real life, right? And so it's about allowing for the full range of dog behavior. And I do find if you don't have like a ton of experience with a lot of dogs in maybe not ideal circumstances, and the two that are coming to mind would be like your background is in sheltering. That's a lot of dogs Mm -hmm. in a really not ideal circumstance for dogs. So you've seen the full gamut, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. And Mm -hmm. therefore, I think you're more comfortable with, you know, a full range of dog behavior. I worked in several different dog daycares, some of them that ranged really from like top notch down to like, oh my God, I can't believe that I was under that roof, right? So like, yeah, yeah, the full range, and just getting really, really comfortable with the way dogs talk to each other, the way the dogs express feelings, the way the dogs do stuff. And when you put them in a not ideal circumstance, you're going to see those things come out bigger. If you maybe don't have that experience, and maybe most of your actual hands on experiences with your own dogs, or your really specific clientele, it's important, I think, to remember that there's a bigger range, there's a bigger repertoire available here to this species than maybe the one that you're seeing. So, like when you saw the group of dogs in Peru and the mm-hmm. and things started to get a little bit dicey and you wanted to intervene and you stopped yourself and click treat for that, because that's hard. I sometimes it just comes out of my mouth. Like I I if I were there, I probably would have been like, hey, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> because I've lived with large groups of dogs for so long and I've worked with large groups of dogs for so long but it just I just probably would have just come out of my mouth and they would have been like you're cute we don't care what you have to say right like like I seriously like to say anything cute. to us like we had a life way before you got here um and Literally. so it's it's just it's not about dogs are going to pee on your walls and eat your couch and bark all night and you just have to allow it that is so far from what we're saying but it is about yeah. saying how can i allow for full expression of dogness in as much capacity as possible because i recognize that this is a captive animal in not an ideal environment
1: for him mm-hmm. and then and how can i allow that for myself yeah. Right? Because like, oh, like how can I aren't allow... also
0: like, if you are sleep deprived and nutrient deprived and exercise deprived and communication deprived, you can't give that to
1: them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's interesting to hear you say like, yes, I do have a, you know, worked in shelters for 14 years and mm-hmm. like seen a lot of dogs. Right. And it'll be really interesting to see Maybe I'll report back my relationship to discomfort as I shift it mm. since I've been running from it for so long I'm trying to organize everything to be safe and comfortable. I am curious to see what my relationship, like what my relationship will be like with discomfort when I observe it in another dog. Like, will I have a little bit of, will I have a little bit more allowance, a little bit more capacity, like, a. E- instead of trying to rush and fix yeah rush and fix rush and fix um and again like we keep saying it's not like i don't ever want to be totally okay with watching an animal suffer or they're like if their welfare is being compromised that's not what i'm saying but is there an awareness that that could happen or is there uh, an awareness that I might observe it and I don't, and I take a breath or I pause before I react, right? Like that there, I'm not just rushing and fixing for the sake of running from discomfort. Because it's and when so, you get in there and you fix a problem for the dog, whose discomfort are you relieving actually? Your own. Yeah, like own. it's probably not like the function of my behavior feel more comfortable. is my is my own. Yeah, yeah. and- This is a, this is a big ask. And so if folks are like, what the heck was this (laughs) podcast about? Um, sure. Like it took me 40 years to get to this place. It took me like traveling across the country and literally seeking out discomfort for me to go like, oh, wow, this isn't that bad. Like taking a look at discomfort isn't really that bad. I mean, at some points it was really bad, but um, you know. And we're not saying that everything is know. like always it's... fine. Like
0: this is not us being Pollyanna at all. This is like saying, yeah, things suck a lot of the time. And it's important to, to acknowledge and allow that. And if your dog yeah. barking is making you upset and uncomfortable, you can do something about that. But I, I think that the challenge is to reframe it into that's an expression of dogness and i i love dogs and i love this dog and oh look it's over now They stopped right like it's like when raya is barking out of joy because she when she first starts out on the trail she barks about it because she's so excited that we're going on a walk And I was on the phone once I was going hiking with a friend who was like, I could not handle this dog. I could not live with this dog. And I was like, you know, you could Mm -hmm. actually, like, it's not a big deal. She's joyous and excited right now. She's not like this all the time. And I think she's cute. So it's fine. Like I've reframed it into how funny that she, that that's all of these other dogs are quiet. And she is just so loud about her joy. And it's some it's so innate yeah. for her to be loud about her joy. And it's
1: like oh, and what is it, what about, is it about observing about someone that is what is it so about observing someone who's being loud about that their joy could... that is uncomfortable for
0: you? And what other moments yeah. Yeah. are uncomfortable for you when yeah. people are loud yeah. about their joy? specifically maybe more marginalized people being loud about their joy really bothers a lot of people and I think that that's that's
1: wow like that's a deeper question yeah it is a deeper question yeah but I like when you were just saying yeah if your dog is barking and you, you can address it it's this is how I want it to be. It's almost like you can address it with antecedent arrangement, you can address it with with training techniques, you can address it through enrichment, right? Like but please don't let off the list like like I'm envisioning like 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 a pie chart, right? It's like enrichment, you know, physical exercise, all the things that we do as trainers, but a big piece of that damn pie is how you're showing up and how, whether or not you're allowing for this behavior to happen and whether or not like you're paying attention to your mm. reaction to this whole thing. Because if we don't focus on that, then we're literally just trying to change the the dog instead of also changing and allowing, right? Like influencing the behavior and allowing all of the messiness to come up throughout the process. So it's it's making sure that that's part of part of the training plan or part of the plan if you will and that's not to be left out because if we leave it out then we're just focusing then the lens is just on the dog and it's not on the what's truly happening yeah because it is a parties relationship so you have to have your lens on yeah you gotta yeah it's a relationship well, I want to say thank you to you for exploring this, where this is just like <laughs> off the cuff, you and I, which is amazing. And I want to say thank you to the um to the culture of Peru and to the people of Peru and to those dogs that, like, so much joy they brought me on that on that trip. Um, all of them that were like on the street, arguing over resources or whatever it is that they were arguing over, and the ones that were, that stayed with me like such so great in a time of such grief after lo- losing Sully. so thank you to to those dogs and for showing me the benefit of allowing right and us being able to have this Love conversation. It. Thanks so for- Thanks for listening. please be sure to
0: subscribe and leave me a review. If you'd like to support this podcast head over to patreon.com/ cogdogra. You might even hear me answer your question on the show. For more content like the stuff you heard here, check out my online courses at cog-dog-classroom.teachable.com.